and welcome to another episode of Ideaprov with your host, Mike Patterson. Um, I had a really kind of neat topic together um, today and found a guest online through, through some interesting uh, some conversations and we decided on this topic and thought it'd be really fun. But first, I want to kind of give her the floor to kind of let her know her name is Miley. So Miley, how are you? What, what are you all about? How, how's your day going? And give us a little background on you. Hey Mike, uh, aloha everyone who's listening in. I'm Miley. Um, I love meeting new people and learning more about the world. I'm really excited about this podcast when Mike talked to me about it. I just had to be a part of it. It sounded like it would be a lot of fun and just a different experience. Um, uh, I really think that like idea prov, the idea about idea prov is really unique because you discover ideas behind like what we get to talk about. And there's like a sort of magic inside of our minds when we talk and collaborate together. I think improv also has a fun way of bringing little golden nuggets of those ideas to the surface. Um, a little bit about myself in my free time, I attempt to lift weights and make my body healthy. And sometimes I like to binge watch my favorite anime on Netflix and Crunchyroll. Very nice. Um, yeah, anime, I'm sure, has been in a lot of people's repertoire recently. Um, the whole pandemic and all that kind of good stuff going on. Crunchyroll I haven't been on, but I think that might be on the, on the horizon here soon as far as something new to try. So enough about me and my Crunchyroll um, escapades that I might endeavor on. Like, what's, what's had your you know, had your mindset, where's where's your passions lie? Um, this is the segment for you to kind of just kind of tell us a little bit about, you know, what's been interesting to you and, and things that you want to focus on. Yeah, so I, one big focus in my life right now is my graduate program that I'm attending at Southern Illinois University of Edwardsville. I'm pursuing a master's degree in instructional design and performance technology or performance improvement. And uh, it's been like an entirely different experience for me. I've really appreciated the sandbox nature of the whole program. And it's kind of what dove me into the instructional design field as a whole. Like now I feel like I have a purpose and a career that I want to be a part of. I want to be a part of all these cool people that I've met on LinkedIn and other professional connections. And I think it's really, it's been fundamental in shaping me as an instructional designer because it has one taught me a solid process like how I can go about my instructional design it's allowed me to develop and improve a growth mindset and an a failing forward attitude I've never had that before in my life I never understood that mistakes are totally okay and the more mistakes you can make the more opportunities you have for improvement so that has been fundamental like not only in my professional life but like in my personal life it's taught me how I can make mistakes at cooking and try again or I can like you know totally screw up an entire design documentation and just give it another shot with some feedback and help from my friends and colleagues um, 
I think one of the best parts of my program, though, my graduate program at SIUE, is that the fact that I get to experiment and play around. So I've never experienced that before in my other graduate degree where I had like a chance to just be free and do it all on myself. I was taught a process and then I was let go and said, go and try, <laughs> go forth and be <laughs> and be experimental. And so n now I get to play around and collaborate with my colleagues, my classmates and figure out what works for us, what doesn't work and be creative in our solutions because we get the chance to just open our minds and see what the world has for us. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really, um, I'm happy to hear that somebody else has kind of had that moment. It, it you know, it occurred for me, I'd say probably a couple of years ago now, um, in which, you know, I, I almost had to unlearn a lot of things and kind of break my own bubble, you know, because oftentimes when you're talking K through 12 schooling, it's, hey, here's a formula or here's the way of doing it, the scientific method, whatever you want to call it or whatever uh, subject, um, learn it apply it to whatever you're doing, regurgitate the information. Um, and oftentimes life just isn't like that, right? And so, you, you know, when you run out of those issues, those problems, um, or those formulas that you don't know what to do with anymore, and then you're kind of stuck and you feel almost defeated because you feel that you don't know how. Um, and then I came across, like, you're talking about the design thinking and, the, and those type of those methodologies, and it's like, this is the way that I learned how to ride a bike. This is the way that I learned how to, you know, brush my teeth as a, as a child. And it's just that trial and error and using like your whole parts of your brain to be able to, to learn things. Um, and once you kind of dive all the way in, it's so nice to kind of, well, I guess, let go of yes. all the other stuff that kind of clutters your mind of the way things should be. Yeah. Um, is Have you have you experienced that at all? I, yeah, it, this, I, I feel like really weird about it because this graduate program has been really therapeutic for me. It has like, I feel like I've been unlocked from all of the stressors that had been in my life before. Like I didn't think that I could think, like start thinking like a child again, like just basically seeing the world as opportunities and not being worried about getting things perfect the first time because there's always a chance to improve something. So like, yeah, <laughs> this has been a really great program to unstick me from where I was stuck before. <laughs> yeah, uh, and the, thing, the, the one thing that I, I uh, kind of took away from, from my journey so far too was the ability to not only do it, but call it out, right? And yes. so when, when you call it out and you say, oh, you know, I made a mistake or that's not right or whatever the case is and you start over, like it's a very liberating feeling and then it, it also is extremely, um, I think, personally important for others. You know, when they hear that, you know, you've made a mistake, it kind of humanizes the situation and, and nobody holds themselves to this like perfect standard of, of getting, getting it right. It's like, hey, let's just continue to figure it out, iterate the process, move forward and make it better than it was last time. And it's, you know, you, you can take that into so many parts of your life. Yes, it feels like a more human experience, like appreciating the human experience.
Yeah. So what do you, I guess, what's, what's the future look like for you once the program is kind of, I guess, wrapped up? Like, what are you oh, looking yeah. to take those, those tools and do with it? Well, I, big, big picture, I hope to change the world. <laughs> like my dreamer self. I just want to change the world and I don't know what exactly that looks like but I want to change someone's life for the better. Um, I think I also just really want to like explore more about instructional design. I don't know which parts really call to me yet if that's the designing part or if it's developing the learning or instruction or if it's even something different. I actually like talked to another colleague um, earlier this week uh, Mosin Memon in India and I now I'm thinking game design would be really cool I I, I don't know I need to experience experiment some more and figure out what I want to do so I think I'm going to play around after this <laughs> after this a, program that's a phenomenal answer um, I think because <laughs> you, you don't want to get locked in right you know and yeah. you don't want to say hey, I just want to do X or I don't want to do Y because it's such applicable to so many things and that's what kind of led yes. me to you know kind of discover it as well because for myself like I, I've always been very interested in a lot of random items you know just how things work why they work the way that they do why do people behave the way that they do why don't you know things like why don't people return their shopping carts when they go grocery shopping like it seems so simple but at the same time like not everybody does it some people do like why do some people do it and some people don't like these are the things that intrigue me for no apparent reason whatsoever um so it's it's interesting because i kind of transitioned into um kind of service design has been my latest thing in which yeah. I'm looking at all those touch points of a business or an organization to see how they kind of work all together and and um, and how they can kind of, you can make all the different touch points better. So you're talking about the consumer, you're talking about the business, the bottom line, you know, the technology behind it, all of it. And so it's like, this is where I, I kind of wanted to be as far as being able to see stuff like that. You know, game design is another one that I always thought was interesting because I used to play a lot of games back in the day and, you know, looking at that type of stuff. So it's really cool that uh, I found somebody else who kind of has that very similar <laughs> mindset too. I'm very excited. Hopefully I can play around more and figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of that, uh, that game theory, um, it kind of brings us into our, our episode topic for today and and that is the idea of just costume play because people use it in reference to games all the time whether it's halo or they dress up like you know vampires or for whatever their favorite game is final fantasy etc etc and so Myla and i kind of got to got to thinking about this and we kind of wondered well you know with everything kind of going on in the world right how could we use the idea of cosplay to and dressing up uh, to make Americans or help Americans be more empathetic towards ourselves, other countries, other nationalities, ethnicities, um, as far as cultural and practices. So my initial thought with this is when we decided on this uh, kind of topic was I envision using like the conventions, right? Because that's that's a huge thing where people can kind of get together and somehow making, I don't want to say like a documentary, but like having into people's, individual people's stories be shared um, 
about what their experience was being dressed up as somebody else, right? And we really don't wanna, you have to be very careful because I don't want to, you know, misappropriate any ethnicities or anything like that or, or offend people, but this is kind of the thing that we're talking about, right? So we have, you know, kind of have to call it for what it is, but, you know, for people that are dressing up as anime characters or something like that, just talking about, you know, what it's like for people to interact with them and how they can be better, you know, maybe dealing with people of Asian descent or something like that. Um, just so that way they can potentially share it with their family and friends. And I'm thinking that could lead to people being more welcoming. Yeah, so I think, um, I mean, one big issue with this uh, topic is the fact that we're asking if people can be more empathetic towards ourselves and others, right? So, I mean, the definition of empathy is basically like a being able to understand and relate to feelings of other people. So being aware of them is a good step to like being aware of people around you, being sensitive to what other people are feeling and experiencing. And um, I mean, in another sense, people um, are empathetic when they like vicariously like experience other people's feelings or thoughts or whatever they're experiencing. So like, for example, um, I just went on vacation to Yellowstone. Me sharing that story with you, Mike, is allowing you to kind of be empathetic with what I experienced because I'm telling you a story and you're imagining the beautiful fields of Yellowstone covered in beautiful snow as I'm seeing it on a snowy morning. Uh, that's like one way of being empathetic to another person is just connecting to what they're experiencing. And um, let's see, like, yeah. No, I think, I think that's, that's not a good point. It's just, you know, thinking about how to, you know, authentically engage with another person with just the lifestyle that they live, right? So, you know, um, I think one of the pleasant ways to do this, and this was in a, in a different episode, was, you know, of course, one could be through language, you know, learning a different person's language, learning how they interact and use that language, um, what they grew up on, you know, oftentimes in America, um, might only learn one language. Or I know for, for me and, and my personal uh, upbringing, um, my family was military, so I had the luxury of, of being able to be around many people from a lot of other countries and stuff like that. So I was always intrigued by it and still in, intrigued by it. Um, but I had a lot of people that were from either Germany or Japan or China or you know any, anywhere, a multitude of places. And some of the kids in my class would speak different languages and I always thought it was cool. Um, but the language aspect has, I think, has always been a really kind of neat thing um, that could be focused on more. Um, they tell you, hey, you have to learn one particular language in high school so that way you can graduate. Okay, fine. You know, but most people, what, they take it for a semester or maybe a quarter or two and then end up forgetting it and never use it again. So I think language is a big portion of it. I also think food has a really big impact on how we interact with others like i mean let's just face it there's a lot of there's a lot of meals right that are that are ethnic meals or that come from other other places and um 
I mean, I think that's a that's a huge missing piece of how we could interact with people from other countries, right? So, you know, just, just the way that they eat, the customs and cultures that they have. So, you know, talking to people, you know, for example, if they're dressed up from, I don't know, a, a different country or have some native garb about, you know, the foods that they eat and how they eat. For example, uh, I think if I'm not mistaken, like Ethiopian authentic often just eat mostly with their hands. They don't use utensils. You know, of course, some Asian cultures use heavily chopsticks, and some of the chopsticks are very different depending on where you are. I think you know, sometimes I've heard Koreans use metal chopsticks, and some people use wood, and some people use bamboo, and all those kind of things. But I feel like that's a, an easy kind of segue into the conversation about making people feel comfortable and from an empathetic point of view on how to be able to do that. Yeah, with cosplay, like how do we how do we connect with others through cosplay um i really kind of like the reason that i really just started enjoying cosplay as a hobby i hope to take it up one day i hope to be brave enough to make my own cosplay and step out into the world as a character um the the piece that drew me to cosplay is like the story that people tell when they step into another character they are telling that character's story they become that character and they bring that character to life for other people because sometimes characters are only 2d or 3d they're only anime characters on television or they're only video game characters you only see them on a television screen or in a book or in um in words if they're from like something like Harry Potter bringing that character to life is just telling a story in a visual very physical kind of form um, empathy I think would help people like so cosplayers I think are really empathetic because they have to change like they're almost like actors but they also like embody those characters when they step into their roles so um, I think a big issue in the cosplay community currently and has been um, probably more prominent recently is the issue of systemic racism. So uh, people um, can sometimes be judgmental and I've seen several like really well-known cosplayers be like personally attacked or like had tough conversations with people just because they are being claimed to be misappropriating or they're not fitting the color of the character that it originally is even though they're just trying to tell a story of a character that they enjoy and love so i i think empathy could help people outside the cosplay community like connect with those in the cosplay community that try to tell the story of these characters that have their own feelings their own experiences and the person behind that cosplay too also has their own feelings their own experiences it we need to find a way to connect people with like with like how they feel i'm not sure how how we how we would connect those who haven't tried like empathizing with others to that yeah um and I think that's that's what we're here for to try and figure out those I guess like somewhat concrete methods to be able to do that um, because like it just from a cosplay like uh, I'm thinking you know people dress up they embody these characters and for me I mean while I've never done it um, 
I, I feel people never really understand potentially the the impact of the characters that they're doing. Like you, like you talked about, they're telling a story, right? But when the story's all done, they take off their costume and they're back to their normal selves. Um, it, it, they're only able to feel the almost positive effects of having that um, thing that uh, the, the costume on, right? Um, it's, it's always, you know, positive things about different versus, you know, I'm thinking of uh, somebody that might dress up as like a Star Wars character, right? Like a lot of the Star Wars characters are very elaborate and different and, you know, multiple eyes and weird ears and, you know, super tall or hairy like Chewbacca and whatever the case is. And so, you know, whenever they walk into some place, it's really cool. It's neat. It's different. However, nobody ever thinks about the other stuff, you know, like what if Yoda was a six-year-old and being teased on his ears, you know, while he's in grade school? Like, nobody really thinks about that. It's just kind of like, yeah, whatever. And I, I could see some people out there saying, well, it's just for fun. It, it's not whatever. But I think that's the conversation that we're having. Like, why is it that when we go to these conventions and everybody's dressed up, like everybody's happy, everybody's embracing one another, everybody's embracing their differences, like what they're what they're dressed up as, the story that they're trying to tell, but then all of a sudden, when the costumes come off, we stop doing that. Like where's where's the disconnect there? You know what I mean? Like everybody's so excited to see like what people are having and what they're wearing and stuff like that, and, and to what they're bringing to the table and all the cool stuff, but as soon as convention's over, or one that's coming up, Halloween is another perfect example. Everybody dresses up in different costumes and everybody's like, oh yeah, it's so cool and it's creative and all that kind of stuff. And we always look at it with such positivity. And then when it's all done, you know, we kind of go back to our normal selves and we're like, okay, what about this guy? He looks a little weird or, you know, he might have a skin condition and I, I might treat him differently. And, but, you know, a day ago when it was the 31st, you thought it was the coolest thing on the face of the earth when, you know, this guy had half of his face ripped off. Like, what's, where's the disconnect? Do you have any, do you have any insight or thoughts? Yeah. I wonder, I wonder if people have a hard time connecting to people like the actual human being behind cosplay like they when they see a cosplayer they see the person as the character they don't see the person that's actually playing them they see they see Chewbacca and they love Chewbacca or they see um, Han Solo and they want to greet and play with Han Solo but when Han Solo is not Han Solo anymore how do I relate to that kind of person like I think people, I think people are, I think that's really interesting. It feels almost that people are more willing to connect to imaginary characters or other like non-existent characters rather than people on that same kind of level, which is interesting because that's kind of how we met it on on our own level we actually met like just talking about a story and connecting on the human level having a great conversation um yeah i i it kind of boggles me why why people might not want to connect with that person who's behind the cosplay on the same kind of level uh yeah I, i'm not sure i think 
you know, people use it as like a, just a relief. It's, it's fun. And so oftentimes when you try and make fun things serious, it takes the fun out of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think there's a, there's a, an avenue that I believe it could be done. So, um, of course this, like you talked about the systematic racism portion of it is, is definitely kind of somewhat embedded in American culture and needs to be addressed. And there's a lot of people that are very upset, um, with how things are transpiring right now. But in order to change that, I feel like you have to change uh, somewhat of the population now as well as somewhat in the future, right? So, you know, we always talk about, you know, in kids or like uh, kids and children in schools, they talk about like bullying, right? For whatever reason, it could be, you know, it could be race, ethnicity, weight, size, hair color, anything that you name it. Um, and like, could we use that to our advantage, right? So when we talk about that, we always like, don't bully them because of whatever. Like marrying something like a Halloween school activity with like a great American teach-in. You know, where people come in and say, hey, you know, my dad is a fireman. And he comes in, and he comes in as all his fireman gear and all that kind of stuff. And they ask questions, what do you do about firemen? Da, 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 da. Um, and all the kids think it's really cool. I think there's an opportunity in which maybe we could kind of change the dynamic and have something that could be, instead of so, I don't want to say hardcore, but uh, so focused on, you know, occupations and something like that to maybe blend it around some type of emotional intelligence kind of quotient, right? So have that emotional com component for young children and to say, hey, just like we did American Teaching last week, this is an opportunity to learn about different cultures and then bring in somebody that's in cosplay. Bring in somebody that looks like, you know, um, Han Solo or Chung Lee from Street Fighter or, um, or whatever the case may be. And then they can talk to them about maybe what it's like to be from Africa, like Black Panther or something like that. Talk about them about what's a little bit different and stuff like that. How we, what are the customs? What do we do over there? So that way they can kind of be really engaged. And I feel like young children, especially, like if you bring in like Thor, you know, and you talk to them about, uh, Asgard or something like that about Norwegian countries and Vikings and stuff like that then people then young children and people would be like oh okay this is why they do things it's a little bit different I understand it and then when you start to understand it there's less fear there's less animosity there's less resentment there's less bullying and more empathy yes I think I think you're on to something there like having creating that open mind space for people to be able to will or willing to accept like the person behind that cosplay and the the cultural aspects behind people what make people themselves unique individual human beings is like very important to like getting people to empathize with others like that's excellent I wonder if if there's a way to um, to kind of create that experience for adults too, because you said you mentioned like kind of like um, creating that opportunity for kids with like kind of like a, here's dad as a firefighter day, and here we're going to talk about uh, this character from Street Fighter and their culture. Um, I wonder 
is there a way that we could do the same thing for adults being working human beings in the world? Is there some way that we could like make that connection for them? It's a little bit harder, I think. It is a little harder um, just because I think, you know, you don't have as much control with adults. Of course, they can opt in or opt out of things. Um, but I think there is an avenue when we talk about doing this in the form that is, we see these on the big screen, right? We see people portraying these characters. But I think oftentimes this is lost in the meaning behind it. You know, people often don't want to talk about it. Um, but the theater, right? You know, people go to the theater and they dress up all the time and they play different characters and they appropriate these characters. And how do, like, as actors and actresses, they get people to feel empathy for them. They get people to feel empathy for their, um, whatchamacallit, uh, their lifestyle, their character. So, I mean, one could be a very radical idea, but what if you just, you created a play in which the people are themselves instead of playing actors? You know, and then you, maybe you make up a storyline, but in that storyline, everybody is just themselves. Okay, yeah, they might be able to do little things, right? And like they maybe put on a, uh, a baseball cap or um, maybe a robe or something like that, but the actual fundamental things don't change, right? Like a person of Asian descent is still Asian, they're still whatever, and you talk about the dynamics in between. I feel like there, this has kind of been done a little bit. Um, and the fact like uh what's the what's the play oh rent right I think oh it's yes in which yeah. a lot of people were from the lgbtq community um and they just they went with that whole aspect and i'm like that's kind of cool that's a little bit different you know but i do feel like it is a little silo like there's a lot of people that uh maybe aren't engaged there or or don't have any any don't even like plays or theater um but I think that's a way that you could kind of do it. How, how do we get that into more households? Yeah. Right? Oh, man. I wonder. I wonder if something similar could be made into a game where people... Because I like the idea that you said of people playing themselves. It becomes much more of a stark reality of having to connect to another character, Mike, across the screen from me. But Mike is just Mike instead of Mike is not some other um like really out there character so i i wonder if there could be a game like i like i'm thinking about a game and then like you like you just talked about um the idea of playing themselves right um so one thing that just kind of came to mind when you're just talking is what if you had a play or something like that where the story was made up but it was all factual items from the actors and actresses themselves right these are all their life story like somebody just takes Ooh. out this is what happened in my particular life and everybody plays a different role or a different part in it right you could have i don't know 10 to 12 actresses and somebody says you know maybe we want to talk about something serious like if you want to talk about the uh you know social injustice maybe somebody was deprived of um, being able to buy a home because of the color of their skin or because they're a female instead of male or transgender or something like that. Um, and they said, this was, this was my first-hand account 
of that that item, right? And then they tell the rest of the actors, they come up with a storyline or they reenact the storyline of how that story was actually played. And then you perform it in front of people. Now, it would be a little bit different because anybody going to see that particular play is not gonna have any idea what the storyline is about. So you're almost, it's, it's almost going to have to be like a emotional improv, if you will. Like you're going to, like, like you go to improv and you don't have any idea what the jokes are gonna be about and it just comes to you. It would almost have to be something like that. And so you would have no idea. And then at the end, after the credits, you know, maybe the actors and actresses come out and say, hey, listen, this was, you know, my name is Jamie. Um, I am 34 um, in the middle of a transition of being transgendered. And this, this was my experience when I was 27, seven years ago working for a company that, you know, maybe fired me or, or terminated me because of whatever it is, right? And so you have the entire audience there who was kind of captivated by this, this artistry, this theater. And then they also realize that this is a true story. Like this is somebody's life. And so when they walk away from that, it's an entirely different experience because now all of a sudden you just watched a really entertaining play but then you also realize like you, you were put into somebody else's shoes and, and tried to, to hurt, you know, or tried to kind of visualize that. I really think like that could even be stretched even more like into um, like to reach even more people through documentaries and movies, you know, because I I have found myself like watching um cinema or movies and documentaries and being just fascinated by the story and come to find out like the end credits or the intro credits say that it's based on a true story and I read it for that final time before they run the credits and I'm like what that was that was a true story that was a lived documentary like I feel like that kind of play could be more reaching to more people through TV through well, actors, yeah. Yeah, if you're talking about actors, right? Like, the next thing that is coming to my brain is, you spoke about the live documentary piece. Could it be turned into, and although people are going away from cable, whatever, um, some type of channel, right? Where maybe you have stories of, real life people's accounts in documentaries. Now, I guess the thing is just playing devil's advocate with the with the with the whole situation. Would people actually want to watch that, right? Um, because I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of, let's say, a lot of the racial stuff that's, that's going on right now. If you have people that are maybe extreme, let's say, uh, extremely racist or maybe not, whatever the case is, like would they want to watch in like a live action theater play of some black person's experience with, you know, uh, racism of not being able to buy a home or, or, or getting pulled over by the cops. Like, I guess that's the part that is, is a little bit challenging, especially when we're talking about people from, from other countries. Like, are those people that probably you could say arguably should be watching 
that need to have their world that gets a little bit more expanded and be a little bit more empathetic, are they actually going to want to watch this type of material that's going to hopefully make them more empathetic? Yeah, that's the trick, isn't it? I mean, so I actually, on Facebook the other day, I read... Um, I read a post that said like most people in their lives, depending, depending on, of course, their economic status, most people in their lives kind of stay where they were born, like within the rough vicinity of where they're born. So, and most people who are born in like rural communities, they have people that are very similar to them. They have similar lifestyles, so they don't get the opportunity to go see diversity or other kind of cultural things. Things, especially in the United States, which is very expansive, as I've learned on my driving in vacation this week. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, but people in who tend to be like more affluent or like closer to cities or different cultural experiences like that, because cities have very diverse like populations, diverse like experiences that people can have food wise and what have you. They are able to go and like they have the opportunity to go expand their experiences so yeah like how do you reach how do you market something like this where you're trying to get other people to be empathetic to open their mind how do we open the mind of those who don't necessarily aren't looking for that kind of thing maybe that might be um like a form of we would i don't know how yeah, that's so I mean, hard it, it is very difficult right um because I, i've i've partially experienced this um because i am on the darker side i'm extra pigmented um and there was a time in which i went up north i think it was minnesota walked into a store and there was a young very young girl and she just had never seen any she'd never seen somebody as dark as i am and and her mother was, she was very apologetic, very nice lady. And she was like, I'm sorry she keeps staring. She's just never seen a black person before. And it, it just, it really dawned to me when you talk about people in some of the rural communities and um, and they were extremely nice, a wave and a little girl waved back. And it was, it was a pleasant exchange, but you know, walking away, you know, I thought there's a lot more communities like this um, in which people just haven't gotten the experience, whether it's been for lack of education whether it's been for lack of finances to be able to go travel and see other cultures and experience things. I mean, if you talk to most, let's say 80, 90% of the people, what's the you know, number one thing they wanna do? They wanna travel. Everybody always says they wanna travel. I wanna go overseas, I wanna go to Paris, I wanna go to Great Wall of China, like whatever. And for different reasons, it's not able to be done. Um, but I, I'm thinking like another thing is maybe we you know just call it out what it is and, and have groups of people maybe dressed in costume and, and whatever and use the cosplay avenue or the real life avenue to go to some of these places and just call out you know i don't know at a community center and this is this is very rogue very wild i feel like start to an idea but just to say hey listen if you've never experienced somebody from or never seen you know um I don't know, an Asian person, or you've never seen a Norwegian person, or, or experienced somebody with an accent, or, or only seen these people before on TV, like, come to this community center and let's talk about it. Like, ask your questions. Like, is, is it, you know, do, 
you know, in France, do they really eat on the corner and everybody eats baguettes and wear berets? Like, you know, I'll have them, it, it's okay, because I, I feel that people need to be a little bit more open into asking the questions directly and not coming from a place of their ego overtaking everything. You know, to say, oh, I'm afraid of being wrong or something like that. Like, it's okay, just be like, hey, I'm inquisitive. I've never encountered X. Can you share with me so that way I can be better? So that way I can experience more? Yeah, I think you have a point there. Like being able to bring opportunities to the people who need it. Those who need to be empathetic are the people who have never experienced like cosplay or other cultures like that so maybe it's on the responsibility of us the people who have like the finances or ability to bring that to rural communities or people who've never experienced things like that offering like bringing it to them bringing like bringing I don't know a cosplay troupe across the United States to go see different towns no but I think that's that's perfect that's that's I mean like that's what it's all about like being able I mean and I hate to use this word because but it keeps coming in my head when we talk about this particular thing right and that is almost like a traveling circus <laughs> you know, like circuses yeah. back in the day, we travel to places, start up in different towns, and you know, they bring out the lions and tigers and elephants, blah, 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 blah. Like, I'm not equating any of these people to be doing that by you know, stretch of the imagination. <laughs> but I'm thinking of it as like a, a cultural cosplay, like pilgrimage, almost equivalent to similar to like a Greenpeace or, or a Peace Corps or something like that. You know, because it's the same thing as, let's say, saving the whales or saving the oceans. You know, it's educating people about the destruction that's happened to the oceans or the destruction that's happened to the trees. I feel like it'd be almost equivalent to educating people about the destruction that we're doing to ourselves as humans. You know, like, turning it over and being able to just say hey listen yeah save the whales but at the same time let's save jackie <laughs> you know let's save bobby you know all these people that you might not have known and like learn a little bit about them because you probably have more in common than you think I, I just i don't know if anybody would show up you know to the community center or the gym to be able to to, to talk about it but you don't know until you try Hey, you never know. There actually is a human circus known as Cirque du Soleil. Like, so people travel around the world to see Cirque du Soleil, to see all of the acrobats and, ac and actors flipping through the air doing magnificent things. I mean, I think it's... I, and in when the beginning when Cirque du Soleil started, the, I believe they told them that they were not going to be successful because we had animal circuses. Like, who wants to go see a, pe a people circus? That's crazy. And yet, now they're like a worldwide sensation. So, I think the idea of a cosplay circus troupe would be fantastic to connect with other people. Like, how crazy and fun would that be? It almost makes me think of, like, LARPers, like, people who play, like, um, like, act out ancient medieval scenes with each other, like, just getting to play with each other. Yeah. Getting to play with cosplayers would be so cool. <laughs> yeah, getting to play with cosplayers. And, and the other thing, too, is, um, and you brought up a really good point, because um, 
whatchamacallit? Oh, what did I watch the other day? Okay, I gotta plug Netflix. It's a game, it's a show on Netflix called Home Games, right? And so on there, uh, they go to different um, cultural areas. So I think one's up in uh, like Ireland and they have special games like that or um, Italy where they have the running of the bulls. These are like native games and stuff like that that people like attract to and come see. Like what if we brought many versions of that to the communities that could better need more empathy? Right? So that could be large cities, it could be rural areas, and you know, everybody needs a little education, I think. Um, and fun. But, and fun. And, and you brought it to them, and then in showing them those games and having fun and, and having people be able to interact, they in turn will be able to learn about other cultures and learn about other people. And while they'll be able to learn, it's going to make them feel more comfortable. If you're more comfortable, they're going to be more empathetic with people and say, oh yeah, I remember you know, this particular Italian person because I went to this one show and actually got to play their games and stuff like that. So I understand what that culture is more about and I'm not fearful of them um, and more empathetic. And that's the goal to, is to get people more, more authentic, more empathetic to people, just whether it's costumes or just in general. So I think that's, that's a heavy bit. Um, so want to be respectful of Miley's time and, and we really ran up against it this time, but I think we got a lot of really quality uh, ways that we can kind of start and open up this conversation. So um, I'm going to run them down and you let me know if we, if we missed anything. So when we're talking about getting people to be a little bit more empathetic um, using cosplay as a way to do it. The one thing that we can do is make sure that we start to tell stories of these characters, um, whether that's at conferences, in real life, whenever we do it, um, to kind of get people engaged from a mental aspect in the person's stories behind the scenes. Another one is to talk about, similar to like a great American teaching, is to use cosplay and bring costumes and whatnot into the schools. Um, maybe the schools, maybe after-school activities, wherever the case is for young children, so that way um, they can better develop emotional skills to be able to empathize with people of different backgrounds and races, ethnicities, cultural experiences, etc. Um, talk about potentially having a live-action play or live-action documentary about the stories and lives of people um, that have experienced, I guess, negative experiences in their life and trying to change that and educate people. And then the last one that we have is some type of traveling interactive cosplay experience for people with costumes. I guess you can almost say similar to a, to a Cirque du Soleil so that would go around and help potentially educate people in cities and rural communities um, where they would actually be able to interact learn about the cultures, that way they'd be able to empathize. And the last one is also, maybe during that experience as well, is incorporate some type of games, some type of food, um, language, so that way they could really immerse themselves in the, in the culture of different people from around the world and people that they might not normally um, associate with. And that will in turn breed more empathy towards those that they might not know about. Did I miss anything? I don't think so. 
I mean, we want we want people to be more empathetic and be able to tell their stories to others and connect with others. I think these ideas that we've come up with are pretty pretty out there, but they're a good step in the right direction. Yeah, and and things a step in the right direction is what we're after, right? So, um, will any of these work? I don't know, but maybe somebody might come up with something that's drive one of these things and if it can help bring more awareness to more people and have people be more kinder to one another be more empathetic and uh, be more welcoming and create less division and more inclusion I think that's gonna be a win for everybody so um, to make sure that we're, we're good on time I really have to take a moment here and and highlight Miley and, and everything that she's done and, and brought to the show I thought it was uh, a really fun way to add a good twist to the to the show and and you know the, her thought process about you know coming up with some of this stuff so i have to thank you for for being on and everything that you you've given us today well thank you mike i've had a lot of fun like playing around with you and improving as well on such a fun topic as well Wonderful. As usual, you can always catch up with us using the handle at IdeaProv at all the social um, social channels, and then also look out for in a couple of weeks. We're probably going to put this stuff together and actually put it together in a blog post um, on the website at www.ideaprov.live, where you can continue the conversation and add your your two cents in there as well, and hopefully kind of see if we can get one of these things off the ground or just you know talk about it for for more fun and games. But um, stay tuned and listen in after the break for the Ideaprov Insight. Hey, so for this idea problem inside, I want to share with you a new treatment that's being used for drug users. It's called contingency management. And what it does is that it rewards drug users for staying off drugs and being abstinent. So this could mean improved therapy sessions, improved attendance for meetings. And what happens is when they go there, they're able to pick out of a prize out of a fishbowl, let's say, and they get a reward of anywhere between one to $100. Um, added to a debit card and then what that debit card allows them to do is buy certain things but it's also blocked from making purchases at liquor stores and ATMs um, bars clubs those type of arrangements based on the merchant company codes so I thought from an impact perspective this could be huge just to kind of create some better humans it's already been working for the VA and there have over 5,000 um, veterans that have followed the program and have been abstinent for years now so I want to share with you it's a really good read probably about eight minutes um, thanks until next time